Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. in session and we're once again at the start of a brand new month. July 2021 looks to be a mix of a little bit of everything, from big games to some indie titles and even some ports. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this month I'm joined by my assistant, Alex O'Neill, to help me check out the list. But first, let's have a recap of what games we've been playing the past month. So Alex, what have you been playing the, playing, bleh, the past couple months? Uh, good to be back. Video games. Um, uh, we didn't get the chance to talk about Mass Effect uh, in this form, post-Legendary Edition, but I played all of Mass Effect. I consumed nice. the Mass Effect trilogy, um, which was great. Uh, I talked about it. Um, we had Nobishin on the most recent episode of Rational Passions podcast, so I got to chat with him mm-hmm. a little bit about it. And I played this this run through differently i did a my first like full femshep run which was great Mm -hmm. uh it is definitely like it it was good because it had been long enough since i'd played like seven times back to back of mass effect two and three um with male sheps that i'd kind of like i I didn't have that weirdness anymore uh so it, it was cool how it how different it felt i did a couple of things differently uh i kept ashley alive for example um, and mm-hmm. I, I role played my femship like differently. I would say I, I had different relationships with with a lot of other characters. Mm-hmm. It was fun, and like more than anything, a lot of my feelings changed kind of about Mass Effect as a whole. Like I, I feel like I like it way more now. Just you know, especially seeing how well a lot of the parts about it that are really good hold up. Like it's yeah. it's really impressive how well like some of the characters and the writing holds up. Um, but like I like Mass Effect three more than I like Mass Effect two now. I've learned this about myself. Oh really? Um, okay. And it's you know it's it's all about the the characters. Like I feel like you, you could not not that I'm saying that any of these games necessarily have a bad story, but you could tell me a bad story, and if it had good characters, I wouldn't care. Um, I'm like mm-hmm. I'm learning that more and more about myself. Uh, and three is just like it's like the most persona of the Mass Effect trilogy, you get so many <laughs> so many great like one-off like situations with your your squad mates that feel like like a little tick in the persona mm-hmm. of like social link bar. Um and and that like w- mattered way more to me and and like with that I was just devastated at the end of it. <laughs> I mm-hmm. was truly like obliterated emotionally by the end of it, <laughs> which I was I, it didn't hit as hard, I think, the first time around because of all the expectations, and I was a lot younger also, and I didn't feel this as intensely as I do now. Um, mm-hmm. But I was, like, really impressed. It it made the ending of Mass Effect, you know, as controversial as it is, I won't necessarily get into the, the minutiae here, but, you know, all the decisions that I had had felt one way or another about, like, coming back through it and, like, caring so much and, like just feeling yeah. that the, the kind of heartbreak of separation at the end made the ending also like conceptually work a lot better because it is such a sacrifice it's such a yeah such a tough question to answer and i liked it a lot oh very cool yeah very cool not that i hated mass effect before but you know newfound appreciation mm-hmm. and, whatnot. and i think the oh definitely the updates that they did for the trilogy are, are really solid you know they're not gonna yeah pull your hair back but they're cool yeah, I dabbled. I've dabbled a bit. Uh, I'm still on the first game and everything, um, but it's been very nice going back and kind of revisiting the world and and everything. I still absolutely hate the Mako in Mass yep. Effect One. Still not great. Um, 
it's still a pain in the ass to drive over all the rocks and mountains and stuff to to get to places but um the rest of it's it's just it feels good to to play again and fun to revisit yeah and they give you more inventory space in this version i guess so Mm -hmm. you do not have to omni gel all your stuff as much which is very much appreciated oh yeah um good inventory management very important yes use the mods if you're having trouble, just equip mods on everyone's guns, and you'll just be like, oh, mm-hmm. this is easy now. <laughs> this game is a joke. Um, I also played Final Fantasy VII Intergrade and Intermission. But yes. We're probably going to have a, a dedicated outlet to talk about that, you and me. Um, but surface level, I, I, you know, it's worth mentioning. We're going to talk more about Intermission then, but I also replayed... I finally did my hard mode playthrough. I've been waiting mm-hmm. for this. Really glad I waited. Also, because this game at 60 frames per second is... Whew, it just gives me chills just thinking about it. It's very nice. It's very nice. And and it, there is like a, a true... I, I know you can say whatever, but like there is... The more frames of animation definitely make doing a lot more of the fun, technical, cancely stuff that you can mess around with once you are, like, really trying to get mm-hmm. through the, the tough kind of special endgame bosses, like Tifa's parry uh, ability, like, if you have her with parry, like, can basically cancel out of any mm-hmm. attack, and just having those extra frames and, and being able to feel, like, that much more responsive, it, it, oh, yeah. it, it is a game-changer. And uh, it made hard mode, like, that playthrough, like, really fun, and... I did all the grinding and got all the, uh, the trophies, all the uh, the manuscripts, like the things that level up your weapons mm-hmm. and all that, and even like the optional ones. So you don't. There's no trophy for getting all the manuscripts, as it turns out, but I got all of them uh, and loved it. Loved Very every second. Very nice. Of it. Um, yeah, it's. Whew, I love that game a lot. Uh, yeah. Intermission it's is its own bag of worms that we'll talk about later, but it's great. I I, I know it's uh what a wowzer. Yeah. Wazer, uh stuff goes on in that, especially at the end. I can't wait to uh, theory or uh, lorecraft and theorycraft. Yeah, I got some ideas. About... I do too. Uh, I'm curious um, to hear what you think. As do I. Um, Same. And uh, it's just like as a like a little DLC thing, like having played all of these Mass Effect DLCs, um, some of which are great and some of which are fine, and some of them are bad. <laughs> It's it's fine to say <laughs> some are bad, um, yeah. But like you know, Shadowbroker is still like as good as the first day I played it, which is crazy. Um, and and intermission like having now like a pretty recent swath mm-hmm. of of DLCs, single player DLCs that there aren't that many of anymore uh, to compare it to. Like this is really solid. It hits a, a lot of notes. It adds a lot to um, the game as a whole. It you know takes a optional character from the original game and makes her way more interesting it's yeah it's, it's a great $20 package in, in a similar way that oh, I yeah. would say like especially if you like grinding endgame bosses like the Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. Remind DLC is like an absolute no brainer like I know it's 30 bucks but come on it'll be worth it um I but we'll talk about the rest later uh I did the I don't know if I talked about near doing all the b3e stuff with near on this show mm-hmm. i think i talked about wanting to do it but i don't know if i had said i did it um, yeah i don't think uh you you had i did i did it all i've seen it all now uh, in via the replicant version and i guess i mm-hmm. i didn't know this and it's in just the replicant version because it's like a complete version uh there was a dlc for the game originally that had like it was like a dream sequence where you got to play as the alt version of the character um oh, which okay. is cool and i had no idea about it so i you know it's kind of whole in with everything here so you get to play as like the old man near that i played the game as originally uh and they brought back the voice actor for like two lines of dialogue for that which i appreciated um, oh that's cool yeah and it's it's like the guy who plays uh sojiro from uh personify he, he does like mm-hmm. all old man anime voice <laughs> voices basically <laughs> Um, he's just perfect at it he's very good at it uh but yeah i appreciated that was in there but yeah i i kind of saw everything through it and it 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 was a very it was a roller coaster i i still i feel differently about near like just the whole near package 
similarly to how after I finished Near Automata, I was like kind of disappointed, but it is definitely like a way. It's it, it is less sharp a, a curve with the original Near. Mm-hmm. It it, it kind of like goes back and forth with a, a lot of feelings for me, where I like parts about kind of the the conflict and and the emotional weirdness that they introduced to that game via kind of like showing you the other side of things uh Mm -hmm. i like kine a lot like the one of the main characters and and how they flesh her out especially like uh toward like the like the e and d stuff like the the later you get into the endings like the more they're kind of fleshing out their characters so it's like okay you're i have something to look forward to um i don't like how grindy it is to like do all of it like to do you have yeah. you just have to go back and play again to get B, but then you have to get all the weapons to do all the rest of everything, and and yeah, that can be a little tedious. I it, it wasn't that bad. I only had like two by the end of it that I had to actually go and get, um, which was good. I was very, very grateful. I was thorough or as thorough as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it just it, it it wasn't as seamless as something i i will say like to automata's credit it is just like you just kind of keep going you, you don't really have to look back um whereas mm-hmm. this you had like like all right it, it pops you back at the beginning of like the time skip which is about halfway through the game and it's like all right now you have to do this if you want to see the next ending it's like all right i gotta play through the whole thing again and get all the weapons yeah uh, it's kind of a bummer um, yeah, but I will say like I have a greater appreciation for thematically how it is uh, like a weird mirror of Automata and how like they both are telling us the same kind of story of like hey maybe the bad guys aren't really the bad guys mm-hmm. um, but they do it very differently uh, and I, I think I just like have real I've learned about myself like I just don't like that story <laughs> I think is like the point, <laughs> but I, and and we talked about it when we talked about near, uh, a few months ago. Like, I, I enjoyed near, especially like the new ending that they added, that whole section, which I won't spoil, but you know, it, it is, it felt substantially different, and I could see mm-hmm. why some people, I guess, wouldn't like it from like a long term near fan standpoint. But as someone who's kind of like more skeptical on the series, I enjoyed it. I I liked what they were going for. I liked. Um, how it, it like homage kind of like completed the, the five ending homage to Automata as well kind of like mm-hmm. they go back and forth from one another and even if I didn't like like the story necessarily and, and how it, it played out I was on the ride for the, for Kine and for Emil and for yeah. Nier and the, that trio so which I can't say the same for about Automata I was like not yeah at all invested in uh yeah 9s or especially not 9s <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. or like uh, yeah the characters in automata didn't grab me anywhere near as much as uh like emil and kaine and stuff like that and those characters from uh just near near replicant yeah and i like like a big part of just the second playthrough of that is just like you kind of get like a dedicated visual novel of like here's the backstory for each of your party members mm-hmm. um, which is not you know it, it's like clearly part of that the cleverness of that game working on a budget and trying to do its best to fill in the gaps but it yeah I, I felt like i at least understood those characters and their motivations like and they were very consistent all the way through like mm-hmm. no one like did a weird 180 at any point <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it, it was cool i thought about platinuming that game but you have to like I think you have to upgrade every weapon to max, and I was like, no. Oh damn. Yeah, I'm not. I'm good. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about, just because like I in, in RPG space, I don't know how yeah. much we've gotten to talk about, it, is the the newest Destiny season, which I, I I'm sure I've brought up the the seasons of Destiny before. Like, no, oh, yeah. I'm not as as big on seasonal content for video games, but Destiny has mm-hmm. always been like my exception. And even Destiny, I've never played along with the seasonal storytelling that they've ever done in the past. Like, this is the first time I've ever been kind of in it. And maybe Pandemic has mm-hmm. something to do with it. Maybe it's, like, 
specifically the stuff they added with Beyond Light, but now this is like the third season since the expansion came out. I've hit max level yeah. in all three seasons, so it's like level 100 plus on each season, which isn't like actually that hard. You just mm-hmm. kind of have to do the challenges every week, but it, it does... Re- what is the season this this time? It's the season of the Splicer. Um, so this is directly following up the season of the Chosen, um, which was like kind of fighting off the Cabal. Uh, the After those events happened... Uh, Mm -hmm. the Vex have created a simulation of like an endless night over the city Uh, and it's like we don't really know how to deal with this um, because it is kind of so close to home so you also end up going off a split path and helping some fallen refugees Uh, and one of them is Mithrax who's like this kind of old school Destiny 2 character Uh, Mm -hmm. he's a fallen that helped you out he had his own exotic quest like way back when I would say I think it was like Okay. It was in the first year of Destiny 2 uh, where you like met up with Mithrax in the farm. Shout out to the farm, <laughs> um, which is gone forever now. Uh, and, and he took you back to the original tower from Destiny 1, and you had to like fight through the original tower on a time limit to get this uh, exotic pulse rifle from Destiny 1. Outbreak perfected or whatever. Um, it's a great quest. It was one of the quests I, I did do before it was bolted and... It's like just this. It was the only thing I think Mithrax really had to himself before, and now he's like the central story character. He's kind of giving you your quest every week. Um, he's like this representative of the Fallen or the Elixnes, their you know actual name uh, in the city. And now like the Elixnes have moved into the city, so it's the first time like an alien race is kind of joined up with the humans and are living in the city. And the whole seasonal story is like essentially members of the the city council like being like fuck the fallen we can't trust these people uh Mm -hmm. and one of them in particular uh who's like leader of one of the factions that used to be like part of pvp events um she is like she uses a a vex machine to see the future quote unquote um and because you can never trust any of that nonsense uh and she's Mm -hmm. like doing these public speeches like decrying the the elixir and saying that they can't be trusted they shouldn't be in the city and that the vanguard can't be trusted like there's like an actual coup happening or an attempted coup happening uh in the city very uh and it's it's clear like bungie like if you know anything about them they like very much gave a shit about this when this was and still is happening in the united states so it's cool that they've paralleled that in their story and they're doing it very well mm-hmm. um so it's like week to week you're like trying to find new information about this Vex simulation with Mithrax while all of the city is kind of like pushing them out because you know there's this endless night that's going on it's this turmoil everyone's stressed out uh it's just a really great story but on the the RPG side of it like because I've been playing so much every season like grinding to level 100 every season for three seasons like I am now so embedded in the end game I am interacting with like end game RPG elements that I mm-hmm. as a yeah, I don't want to say I'm a casual RPG player, obviously I've I have the games that I go crazy on. Yeah. But I, I don't play MMOs specifically and I don't really play looter games where like I'm I'm working to get like a perfect build. So like this is the only game I have that, that kind of outlet for so for example, uh Lost Sectors, they're like these little mini dungeons. They when Beyond Light came out, the newest expansion, they introduced something like end game solo content, which not a lot of games like this have, but obviously it speaks to me. Uh, and they're like hard mode lost sectors. They're called legendary lost sectors. Um, and the cool thing about them is every season, there's a piece of armor that you can only get from these lost sectors. And so it's like a, un- oh, wow. a unique exotic piece of armor uh, that you have to kind of grind these lost sectors for, uh, and I've gotten them for all the the most recent seasons, and they're all very cool. Like they're they're not throwaway exotics. They're they're pretty interesting. Like one the one for this season, for example, for the warlock. There's one for each class too. It's not just like one one. It's one for each. Uh, they're boot, mm-hmm. these warlock boots that if you're standing in your healing rift, it'll create these orbs of healing that will shoot out and home in on your. Uh, teammates and and generate healing on them 
and when they receive that, they'll send an orb back to you that'll extend your rift that you're standing in. So you have to stand in your rift, mm -hmm. but it'll keep healing uh, anyone that's kind of like within 30 feet of you um, with these little orbs. So it's like, oh, this is a really cool, you can kind of play the healer a little bit more. Um, and that also works for empowering rifts, and it's not just kind of limited to healing. So I have, mm -hmm. in, in grinding these kind of unique pieces of armor, I have along the way been like, you know, I like really like this exotic. I could probably grind when it comes up or like when it's like, because the way the Lost Sectors work, it's like random exotic armor piece or like chest piece, random exotic helmet, random exotic um, gloves, and it's on a rotation every day. So it's a different Lost Sector every day and it'll switch to a different piece of armor every day. So I would wait for arms to come up and it's like, all right, I got this arm exotic that I want to grind for mm -hmm. and I would just do it. I, would, I did the Lost Sector for like three hours, got like 10 different exotics and then finally get the one that I want. And then it's like a high stat roll, so it's like, okay, I'm gonna masterwork this and keep this. And then like, okay, well now I wanna get one of this this armor, like this arms armor type, and this boots type, and then this helmet type, and then I'm gonna keep those in storage and masterwork those over time. Uh, and I've like never cared about <laughs> like specific pieces of loot or specific guns with specific stat rolls or perk rolls before. And, and Destiny is the game that has kind of turned me on to, like, that endgame grind of, of, like, okay, I want to get a, an armor set that has me, like, above 200 stats base, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's been really cool to, like, get into that. And, like, now I'm slowly building up, like, a second full armor set of, like, high stat armor that is, like, really good for endgame content because uh, I already have my first full set. Um and building different builds based on the, the armor and, and kind of perks that go with them. So I, I've been really like destiny has brought out that whole other RPG grind part of me that I've, I've typically kind of veer away from in fear. So, uh, I just wanted to share that. <laughs> it's very cool. It sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously it all comes with a caveat of like destiny is just the game like this that I'm into not that anybody mm -hmm. could just jump into this, but like, you know, especially I, I do the podcast with Scott and Tony and they, that's like their jam is always like min maxing and getting the end game and like maximizing oh, yeah. their equipment. And, and that's because they're, I think more traditional RPG fans. Uh, and I, I, I like, I really rarely do that outside of games like kingdom hearts, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool in a game, like a living game where there is so much, like my build that I have decided on in Destiny is, is different than any of my clanmates, right? That that we raid with, and also like it's probably something a few hundred people out there use. But like I have that kind of personal. I worked for this. I built this myself, yeah. knowing the systems as well as I do. And it's a it's a really rewarding feeling. That's good. Yeah, I know you have. Uh, you guys have been huge into Destiny and everything, and it's. It sounds like so much fun, but I know I've mentioned this before. It's just so daunting to even think of trying to get into it these days that I that I just don't. But yeah, um, everything you said, like the passion and love and the excitement, uh, I always love hearing about it. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that glad you shared and uh, nerded out a bit over that. That was cool. Yeah, I'm glad to have my end game grind game. This this is what yeah. it is. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. What you got, Scott? Good stuff. Um, like I mentioned, I played a little bit of uh, Mass Effect, Le uh, the Legendary Edition. I also played through um, just the Yuffie DLC of the remake. Um, not going back through that. I want to get the platinum of the original one so that I can transfer my save over and get a platinum in the PS5 version. But um, really, I just wanted to play through the Yuffie stuff, which I absolutely loved. And I am very much looking forward to talking more about that yes. um, in our uh, deep dive. Um our reunion. I also play, yeah, our reunion. Uh, I like how you brought that in. Um, uh, I also spent some time playing through uh, the new Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne HD remaster that came out. That's been a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Um, Matador continuously uh, is killing me, so it's it's like I'm back in uh, playing it on the PS2. So, been really enjoying that. 
Um, haven't sunk too much time into it. A few hours of... I've gotten a Matador, um, but he keeps killing me, so i got to figure my way out around that. Um, and then I played a lot of Legend of Mana. Uh, I did the review for that over at RPG site, so that was a lot of fun. Does it Such... feel like right to do reviews for RPG site? Do you feel like you're like one with... Like all your chakras are aligned? <laughs> um, it, it, the, it's Professor very... Un... For RPG.com. It's a lot of fun, but at the same time, though, I'm very, like, anytime I do any freelance pieces um, for any site, whether it's Wargamer with, like, my Druid guide that I that got published, or, like, my Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale impression, or the Legend of Mana review, it's, it's that feeling of, oh my, it, it's very, very strong imposter syndrome mm. whenever I submit to, like, a piece to another site um mostly just because i not to say that you guys would lie to me but it's like irrational passions is a site with my friends Mm -hmm. so i don't less pressure you know well it's not so much that it's i'm concerned because i know you guys you guys humor me when i send things for edits and things like that it's like okay here sure good job scott pat on the back whereas when i submit like to a freelance thing where i don't really know anybody it's like oh they're gonna come back it's like yeah i'm sorry we can't accept this Hmm. so it's it's fun but at the same time it's very stressful at the same time just because I, i i i feel like that um i get those those feelings in my head um that imposter syndrome pops up but they seem to like it. So, so far, so um, good, but, Scott. I'm just saying you might be a pretty good writer. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about there, Alex. That <laughs> seems that seems like silly talk. That uh, seems like silly talk. But but no, uh, Legend of Mana is fantastic. It very much feels like the PlayStation One game. Um, the a lot of the same nitpicks I have about the original game, like the convoluted and not well explained mechanics of it like the tempering and whatnot still not explained well um there are some quality of life things are different like you can toggle on and off encounters uh you can save most places now as opposed to just the the save statues but the new like hand-drawn hand-painted backgrounds are absolutely beautiful the new soundtrack arrangement is fantastic like i would love that on a record um, and they kept but the no, sprites. I just ha- they didn't they didn't smooth out the sprites. No, the sprites and it works really well. Like this is like the perfect combination, in my opinion, for Square remasters. It's I'm I'm cool if you want to redo kind of the backgrounds or whatever, do what you want, but like leave the character sprites. That's that's what I want. Yeah, How, where is this? Um, like just from because I've not this is one of the mana games I've not played. Uh, is it where is this like on the action spectrum? Like, is it like more tactical? Uh, uh, no, it's action. It's it's very similar to the other mana games. So you run around a little battlefield. You hit a button and you swing your sword. You have another button that you can use to use your special attack stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not tactical based. Um, it's an action RPG. So cool. yeah, I, I'm curious. This is one of the ones that I I just. I, did this come to the U.S. or was this one? Of, yeah, okay. this originally came uh, to the U.S. in 2000 on the PlayStation One. Yeah, it must have just been like I, I was always fiending for like more Secret of Mana as a kid, but you know, like as a seven-year-old in the year 2000, like, mm-hmm. my capability of finding out that the sequel to the Secret, yeah. Secret or like some continuation of that lineage existed mm-hmm. is basically impossible. But I did play. I think Sword of Mana was the the GBA game. Uh, and I, yeah, I think so. I think that's basically like the retelling of the original Mana game. Yeah, I think so. Um, one of the retellings, because there's been a few at this point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, Legend of Mana was then also later released on the PS3 as like a PlayStation Classic. So you can still pick it up, the original version for PSP, Vita, and PS3, as long as those stores are still up. Um, so... Which leads to the question, if you can play on those things, is the remaster worth five times the cost as opposed to the original classic version? Um, 
Because the classic version is 6 bucks, while the new remaster is 30 Yeah. So it's like, is it is enough changed to warrant that price increase? I don't specifically think so. Um, but I know also that a lot of people don't necessarily have the number of people with a PS3, PSP, or Vita that they can easily play on um, is shrinking by the day. So yeah. I, I think it's definitely worth the 30 but is it worth five times as much when you can get a very similar experience for 6 That is a personal question. You have to come to terms with yourself. Knowing how bad Square Enix PS1 load times are, it might be worth it just for that. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember the load times being all that bad because uh, we ha- there's a whole episode of RPGU uh, focused on Legend of Mana with uh, good friend Sean Shiplock, um, voice of Rivali and Reen Schwarzer, um, and Mishima uh, came on and we nerded out about that. But I because I replayed <sighs> I, I parts of it for that. that. He's Mishima. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's also Nero in Final Fantasy VII Intergrade. Yeah. He's great. Um, he's great as that as well. Yeah. The range on him is crazy. Yeah, he's he's really um, good. I love Rivali, so he's always got yeah. heart. He's uh he's a really nice guy. Also from Michigan, turns out. Yeah. Um but yeah, I don't remember the low times being all that bad. I just should, that's me assuming for sure. I just know like Final Fantasy Six and Chrono Trigger on PS one have like terrible load times. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so those are... And then, of course, I play Dungeons & Dragons twice a week. So one game I, I run and one game I play as a character. And those have been fun, so... Hell yeah. That's that's what I've been rocking when I wasn't watching E3 stuff and yes. all that jazz. Plenty of that so. for folks that want to see us, how our feelings on that can go find. Ah, yeah. Yep, you can find it on irrationalpassions.com and our YouTube. So lots of lots of E3 thoughts. Yes. Um. But let's get to talking about the RPGs that are coming out this month, July 2021. Weird month, I would yeah, say. Yeah, bit a little bit of everything. Not many big, not many big titles. Good amount of ports. Uh, but there's a, there's a couple big ones. There's a couple big and ones. And a lot of indie games. Yes. And most of them look great. Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, first up, we have Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights, releasing on the PS4 and Steam on, uh, oh, I guess it's already on Steam. Uh, it released on June 21st on Steam, but it is release- releasing on PS4 on July 6th. Uh, it's a dark fantasy 2D action RPG about unraveling the mysteries of a destroyed kingdom on this sorrowful journey, encounter horrific enemies against whom a moment of inattention could be fatal overcome these hardships and seek the truth with the help of the fallen knights um very pretty um kind of metroidvania looking hand and painted art styles almost ori like they kind of get some ori vibes yeah mixed with dark souls and it I, looks very good i know like uh, the, the hook of it is you like use spirits as an attack so you kind of mm-hmm. like, summon them uh and attack with them and kind of like a ps3 classic folklore uh, <laughs> uh, I love folklore. Me too. That was such a good game. Such a wonderful, weird game. Um, and so you're you're not like attacking directly, and I think like those spirits are kind of like dictating your mm-hmm. abilities. So you'll as you get like boss spirits that'll let you get like traversal abilities and uh, yeah, different. Also, kind of reminds me of um, Harmony or Dawn of Sorrow and uh, whatnot. Those Castlevania games where you play as Soma Cruz. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, also kind of get that vibe but no very very cool like hand-drawn art style uh looks 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 very cool i want to try this out yeah i'm curious about it it's uh at least on steam so far it's uh been receiving very positive review ranking out of 5376 it's currently sitting at a very positive so that's pretty good that's pretty good Next up, we have the Switch and PC port of East Nine Monstrum Knox. That's releasing on July 6th in North America and July 9th in Europe. 
uh, we covered this last year or earlier this earlier year. Earlier this what year. Is t- no. I, dude, tell me about it. Yeah. That was February. What is time? <laughs> what is time anymore? Yeah. Uh, you reviewed this game. <laughs> I did. We, the, I did review this game. I liked it a lot, even though it crashed on my PS5 a lot, but still a very good game. Absolutely love this uh, entry to the East series. So now you can play it on your Switch or your PC. So that's kind of exciting. I'm hoping uh, they will add a patch uh, later on to add multiplayer co-op like they did with East 8, but we will have to wait and see. That'd be cool. Could be kind of cool. I didn't know they but added yes. that to 8, so that's really rad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, East 9, Monster from Nox releases on Switch and PC on July 6th in North America and July 9th in Europe. Next up, we have Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Rune, releasing for Switch and PC on July 9th. Now, Alex, have you tried the demo of this yet? I have it downloaded. I have not tried it because I just, like, I want to know. I'm so curious about this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> I'm curious about it. Uh, this is probably going to be one of those games I will pick up when it's on sale. Yeah. Um, but I've heard good things about it. It seems much more kind of Pokemon-y. Yeah. than I was expecting. Um, I think I think calling them monsties is, is is bad. Yeah, it's probably a bad call. You call the monsters in the name of the game. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, we're going to have to talk about that at some point. Uh, I know the combat system is kind of like a rock, paper, scissors style combat system, which is, like, my number one concern mm-hmm. in any situation ever. But I'm curious, like, what the nuance there is and... and how they mix that up with like different monsties yeah uh i like that you can get your best doggo from uh monster hunter rise that's yeah, cool that's a plus you need that amiibo i think but you might not need the amiibo. Uh, but yes that is monster hunter stories 2 wings of ruin you can download a demo right now and the save will carry over but it's releasing on switch and pc on july 9th uh, for Switch and PC, which I just said, so I repeated myself, but that's okay. Um, next up, also on July 9th, we have uh, Swords of Legends Online. Now, this is a uh, Korean MMO that's finally releasing here in the States, I guess. Uh, much more of an action combat focused, I believe. Yes. This, this is the kind of game that I'm going to be hearing about on Irrational Passions podcast yeah. in three weeks is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, Tony's going to be like, all right, I tried out Swords of Legends online. And I, you know what? I will report back. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Um, like, the combat looks cool. Um, it looks very fast-paced. But I can't have anything keeping me, like, unfocused from Final Fantasy fourteen. Like, I have to be ready for Endwalker you gotta get ready. come November. I yeah. got it. I'm still working through. I'm in the patch patch quests of Stormblood, and I'm I'm slowly making making my way, making my way downtown. Walking fast, I guess it. it were. Uh, but yes, that is releasing on July 9th as well. Uh, now another game I have reviewed previously at Dual Shockers, but this is Trials of Mana. It's releasing uh for mobile mobile devices. Yeah, which July 15th seems like a good call. That, that game probably would be easy to port there. Seems a bit fast-paced for a for a mobile game, but, you know, some people are really good at playing games on mobile. I assume I'm not one of them. If, if you play games on mobile, if you're not using, like, a controller or something, I don't know what kind of person you are. Or, like, you know, you're just not playing that. You, you know, like, oh, this is terrible, so I'm just going to play other mm-hmm. kinds of games that are built for this. Yeah. Uh, but give that a try. I very much enjoyed the Trials of Mana remake. And now, mobile pl- players, you can play it too on July 15th. Uh, next up, I know we, you and I have had this discussion before, Alex, whether or not Legend of Zelda is an RPG or not. I'm in the camp where it's not. You are in the camp where it is. Mm-hmm. But regardless of where you fall, Skyward Sword HD is releasing on Switch July 16th. Yeah. more A more RPG of the Zelda games, I would say. Um Yeah. A lot of, a lot of crafting yeah, in Skyward Sword. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lot of other things I don't like about it, but crafting, you you can craft. You can craft. I, I've, i like, gone back and forth a lot on this of, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to buy this at some point, of course. I'm a Zelda mm-hmm. shill 
Uh, I will. Oh, I yeah. will spend. I'm gonna find that amiibo. I get it. I'm the problem. Whatever. Uh, but like, I have gone back and forth of like being excited and not excited. I, it is like the the power of that most recent Breath of the Wild sequel trailer is palpable. <laughs> like it, it mm-hmm. really is like strong of like. Oh, you know this, and one of the things like I'm gonna probably talk about more on Nintendo Land, the, the upcoming Nintendo Land. Um, I, I played through the Zelda DLC, like all of the Breath of the Wild DLC mm-hmm. in the last couple weeks, because I had never played it. Um, it's great, a but like one little thing that like as a as a fan, a longtime fan of Zelda, um, at the end of the Master Sword Trials, which is like the first expansion pack. Um, there's 43 trials after you beat them you master sword strong forever and mm-hmm. you hear just a little bit of fi from Skyward Sword like just a little sound from her and it's like a, mm-hmm. it is such a, a little thing but hearing that in that moment and, and like it was after we saw the the sequel trailer it's like alright you know there's a cool story somewhere in Skyward Sword it, it, like it, it does happen <laughs> and I'm I'm just yeah I feel like they they probably adjusted some of the dialogue and some of the handholdy stuff in this game, like just balanced it to be a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just very curious of like what playing this HD Skyward Sword with just little touches, um, nothing like mm-hmm. redone from the ground up except for the controls, but just little touches uh, is gonna feel like in 2021. And I hope it feels good. I hope it feels better than it did at the time. Yeah. I'm I'm anxious to give it another shot uh, with the advances in kind of motion controls since the first one came out and the option to just not play with motion controls interests me. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the whole dousing things. Like, there's a lot yeah, of other mechanics I'm not a fan of. Gut dousing. <laughs> like, if they just yeah. never have, like, yeah. never force you to douse. Which is, yeah. like, they could. They could just take it out and because you could just walk to where you need to get to and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm curious if they have just, like, balanced the scales on stuff like that at all. And I'm sure they have because they, yeah. they did little stuff to, like, Ocarina and Majora's Mask. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure they've done stuff. I just, I'm excited and anxious, like you said, to see what that actually comes to fruition yeah. as. And even if it's but, I'll still buy it because I have a problem. Yeah. Hey, same. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, that is Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD releases on Switch on July 16th. Next up, we have the long-awaited Chris Tales releasing on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, and X, Xbox One, Switch, PC, Stadia, releasing July 20th. Now, this is the time-traveling... RPG where you has a very distinct art style. It looks very, very cool. Yeah, kind of Saturday morning cartoon it. vibes from the art style. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the best way. But you like swap between time, like the past and present and future to solve puzzles and you can incorporate it into your combat. It looks very, very cool. I'm anxious to play it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like every time I've played Chris, Chris Tales, like they, they put out a demo on mm-hmm. Xbox last E3 era, Summer Games Fest era. Um, and it was a pretty chunky demo, so much that like I played like an hour and a half of it and I did not finish it. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a lot of questions on like w- like where that game goes mechanically, because like, the time travel stuff that I saw, and probably again the beginning of the game, like you had like a frog, and the frog you could send back and forth between time, but you couldn't travel across oh. time. Um, Interesting. And so I imagine that skill kind of evolves, and I'm I'm curious how they like dole that out, like how those powers evolve. If it feels like kind of Metroidvania or like more Paper Mario of like, okay, you go to this area, and now you come back to the hub, and now you can go to this area, um, or if they've completely changed it for the final game, and that was just for the demo. Like, I I hope it 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 was it's cool because in that, in that brief time that I got to spend with it, it was not utilized in the way I expected or was kind of into. But I, I think like from what they show in trailers and stuff, it seems like that game gets like buck wild with time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm anxious to try it. I guess um, there is a physical edition you can get, so I'm anxious to try that. <laughs> uh, snag that. 
But uh, yeah, Chris Tales finally releases for pretty much everything on July 20th. Game um, Pass, get it. Yeah. Next up, we have. I feel like this is a game that you and I played at a PAX. Yeah. Um, but Alchemic Cutie. Uh, it's a wholesome, relaxing RPG set on the colorful Wimba Island where you tame wild jellies, meet villagers, and enter jelly competitions to uncover the secrets of the island. Yeah, I, well, we played. Um, this was in the Indie Mini booth uh, last yep. year, uh, at the 2020 um, Fabled event. <laughs> yep, it looks very uh, Stardew Valley-ish. Yeah. Um, with, like, a monster rancher, hun- like, monster raising mechanic. And a, and a whole like alchemy mechanic that's you know kind of a surrogate for cooking, but mm-hmm. you, you have to have a bunch of different ingredients on hand for your slimes and for your your stuff. Yeah, um, which is cool. Uh, over four thousand possible jelly jellies apparently, with lots of items to find and quests to do. So there you go. It looks looks pretty cool. Looks interesting. I guess there's jelly sharing via special codes, and there's going to be mod support. So I'll be anxious to see. What sort of community rises up uh, from this? Yeah, that that is a. I'm, I hope this like takes off in a cool way, uh, mm-hmm. just to see the jelly, the jelly fallout. <laughs> true, true. But yes, Alchemic Candy is cut releasing on Xbox Series X and Xbox One on July twenty seventh. Next up, we have probably the biggest game. Uh, of the new, biggest new game, I should say, of the the month, and we that is Neo: The World Ends with You. This is the sequel to The World Ends with You, finally being released on PS4 and Switch on July 27th. Super stoked for this one. I'm trying to think, what do you know off the top of your head? The year World Ends with You came out. I feel like it was like 2007. Uh, it's been a a long time. Uh, let me let me look it up. So yeah, have you played the demo for this at all? I have not, uh, and that is just because I know I'm going to get it, so I'm not really like on the fence about it. Yeah, July twenty sixth, um, two thousand seven. Jesus. April twenty second, two thousand eight is when it oh, and, yeah. the first world ends with Got you. It. Um, have you played the demo? I have played the demo. I played a little, very little bit of it. So like, I have tried the world ends with you, the original game multiple times you've played it Mm -hmm. you said uh yeah i have both the switch version and the original ds version uh and i was you know this is one of those like cult classic games that both scott guthier and brian novish and jackson really really liked um and and those are few and far between so anytime i hear like okay there's a weird specific game that hit these two people it's like all right i gotta give it a shot and it was cool like the mind bendiness of the the controls and whatnot uh, on the original mm-hmm. DS version of like touchscreen mixed with button controls simultaneously. Uh, I just I just couldn't get into it. I like the aesthetic though a lot. So checking out this demo, no, you know I I know <laughs> I know an un- unfortunate amount via Kingdom Hearts <laughs> about the rules of the <laughs> world ends with you, um, and you know like generally from playing that game of like okay the reapers Mm -hmm. they set up the game you're in the game you're a player you have a teammate it's kind of it's kind of about as far as i know it's really all you need to know it seems though and pins give you magic powers um i the the demo i i played like 30 minutes of uh i like like walking around shibuya and stuff i the combat i feel like i was not either not one not understanding and two like Clearly, I had not gotten to where they were introducing anything particularly crazy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm curious. So, like, it, it's it, it's just got such a great style. Uh, it reminds me so much of Persona Three. Like, it has such Persona Three energy. Uh, yeah, and part, a lot of that's like the hip hop soundtrack it is very Persona Three, um, and you know, just kind of tight city streets. So I wanted to succeed. I just don't know if this is a game that's ever going to kind of speak to me specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, the resurgence World Ends With You franchise has seen in the past few years from the brand new anime a couple of years ago or last year, and then this brand new sequel this year, uh, the Switch port two years ago, I want to say, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope it's a series that sticks around, uh, that it doesn't 
suddenly kind of fade back into the darkness like it did after the original game came out but yeah as i'm 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 anxious to try i like i'm such a fan of like so many like standalone one-off games like i'm so i'm very excited that this game got its sequel you know in the you know yeah i was there when sly 4 was announced right i've been there i get it you know obviously it's a different set of three games and this is a second but like stuff like advanced wars happening Mm -hmm. this year and like I'm certain there will be a new Golden Sun within the next five years. It's stuff like that. It's like, this is always good news. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. And speaking of Sly, my pop figure should be here in the next couple days, so I'm super excited. Now, I didn't know that there was a Sly Cooper pop final, and now I have to go buy it wherever it is. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought I posted that in our Slack. You probably did, and to... I blacked it out because I ate pop finals, but now I have to go buy it. <laughs> it is... I will actually... Uh, send it to copy the image and post it in our channel discussion we're having right now so I can get your reaction oh god look at this guy make another Sly Perfect. Cooper yes make all just make a lot of Sly Coopers don't just stop at one more just, yeah, just all make, like, the Sly three Coopers. more just another trilogy yep I'm so down god please, can you imagine just like it. 16 more levels, Sly Cooper levels. Like, that's all I want out of life. <laughs> that that was, like, growing up, I had a friend that was big into, like, Ratchet and Clank, one that was big into Jack and Daxter, and I was the Sly Cooper. Uh, I, was, I was the kid stand. that loved all three. Like, some terrible, ruinous child. <laughs> like, any youngest <laughs> brother of three, I wanted all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh... But RPGs, yeah, um, Neo Worlds Ends With You releases on PS4 and Switch on July 27th. Also releasing on July 27th is Tribes of Midgars, releasing on the PS5, PS4, and PC. This is the multiplayer kind of action RPG kind of thing where you can play with up to 10 of your friends and you fight things. Um, is this the it's published one by Gearbox. Top down. Yes. Uh, yes. Isometric. Yeah, this is this looks cool. It has like, I when we this was like I think in the, what was the, the summer games mm-hmm. fest showcase. Um, yeah. And it, we were I think at the time we we're drawing a lot of comparisons to Valorant. I guess because you know that's that's what the kids are talking about or whatever. Uh, but this also it like you know I, I this kind of game has like if it has the right mix of Gauntlet and Diablo like that's all I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious how it will be. Yeah. Um, if a bunch of friends get it, I will probably get it as well just to play with them. But it's also one of those games I won't touch if I don't have friends to play with. Yeah, I, I'm um, double checking, but I feel like this could also be a Game Pass game. It's twenty dollars. Okay, I don't think it is Game Pass. So yeah, twenty bucks. That's not too bad. Yeah. So we'll see. Who knows? I hope it's cool. I always hope that games are cool, um, whether or not uh, they end up being uh, sticking around for a long time will remain to be seen. But yes, Tribes of Midgard, uh, grab nine of your friends and become Viking legends in this action survival RPG. Ten player multiplayer so. is fun. I, I do love the idea of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So check that out on July 27th. Next up, we have Eldest Souls releasing on July 29th for uh, everything. P- uh, yeah, pretty much except Stadia. Um, this has almost like a hyperlight drifter kind of perspective. Yes. Um, with a blasphemous kind of art style. Yeah. Um, looks cool. Looks very cool. I, you know. Um, could have been a better name but just wear wear it on your sleeve <laughs> yeah this is be unapologetic about it yeah this is alex and neil bait i'm here for it <laughs> i mean in, i'm into eldest souls you got me uh yeah mm-hmm. I, I do i just like the the crunchiness of it it does have like that hyperlate drifter aesthetic and that's exciting mm-hmm. it looks cool it looks like a one of those kinds of games if you're looking for something like that uh, in the indie front, so I'm probably going to check it out. Yeah, just another beautiful pixel art isometric hack and slash that's kind of like Dark Souls. Yep. I'm for it. Yeah. 
Another one to add I'm to always... the pile. Yep, the ever-growing pile. <laughs> but Eldest Souls releases on PlayStation platforms, Xbox platforms, Switch, and PC on July 29th. Next up uh, is Fuga Melodies of Steel, which I feel like wasn't was announced fairly a short time ago, but yeah. it's releasing for PlayStation platforms, Xbox platforms, Switch, and PC, also on July 29th. And this is the latest entry, the fourth title in the Little Tail Bronx series uh, uh, with the anthropomorphic dogs and cats. Uh, it's an RPGs where you're a group of furry children trying to survive on board a giant tank. I imagine like this is the the kind of like QT or animal anthropomorphic version of Valkyria Chronicles, like. <laughs> this is the the weird alt universe version of that. Yeah, I almost get more of a um, like uh, advanced war style because it's sure. it's that same kind of setup in terms of combat. But the art looks great. Uh, I remember renting Tail Concerto, uh, Concerto back on the PlayStation One days, and being uh, not confused by it but intrigued by it. And then Solitorobo. A solo Toroboro or something. The the DS one, which is going for like five hundred dollars now, uh, was a sequel. I don't remember what the third game was. I'm missing. I'm missing a game somewhere. But uh, Tokyo Overgate. No, I'm. Could be. No, maybe we'll see. It's something with a tail, probably. Yeah, but no, this looks very very cool. I'm very anxious to try this. Um, it's by CyberConnect2, and really this might be one of the last CyberConnect2 games we get in the U.S., so yeah. I'm going to buy it to show them that they need to reopen their U.S. office. Yeah, for sure. That's my goal. You can't lose anime games. They make nope, they, they make need... about 70% of them. It's true. Um, Bandai Namco needs anime uh, competition. Yes, exactly. They can't just but, be pumping out Scarlet Nexuses and Tales of Arise. Can't let them stay oh, they on can, top. They can, they can just keep pumping out Tales games. I'm Tales games, that. yes. Just, but if they keep making all these other weird anime games, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> true, true. But yes, this is Fuga Melodies of Steel, releasing on PlayStation platforms, Xbox, Switch, PC on July 29th. N next game up, also on July 29th, is The Ascent, which is like a sci-fi twin stick shooter diablo game yeah uh releasing on xbox platforms and pc on july 29th looks looks intriguing yeah another game pass joints uh yeah second on the um, list here i think so uh i will try it. i'll definitely check it off i'll yeah i'll check it off on game pass that's for sure seems like it'll probably fit into one of our our group streams probably pretty nicely yeah. and then we'll see if we dig it or not yeah uh, we'll go from there, but uh, The Ascent is a solo and co-op action shooter RPG set in a cyberpunk world. The mega corporation that owns you and everyone, The Ascent Group, has just collapsed. Can you survive without it? And that's what the, they're saying. IGN says it's a dash of Diablo with a healthy dose of twin stick shooter. Your gamer says The Ascent is what you get when a group of veteran developers makes whatever they want. Cool. That's always good good thing to hear I yeah think. um sign me up customize your character with cyberware that suits your play style allocate new skill points as you level up to try various augmentations to take down your enemies in creative ways uh graphically it looks pretty cool i'm down to try it especially if it's on game pass yeah i'm i'm uh, curious like if it if it gets the like rpg elements of a diablo like right in in with the gameplay then mm -hmm. it could actually be really cool yeah uh, but yes, be sure to check out The Ascent on Xbox and PC starting July 29th. Next up, sometime in July, it looks like, is Chernobylite. Um, coming out, uh, possibly out of early access this month. Um, releasing on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. This is a uh, RPG survival horror mixing free exploration of disturbing locations with challenging combat. Crafting and non-linear science fiction. July build your team. July twenty eighth. Survive. Is uh, that's the, okay. they got it in their about page. Okay, there we go. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of 
reveal the twisted secrets of Chernobyl in the 3D scan recreation of the exclusion zone. Kind of cool. I'm kind of getting a stalker vibes from it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of kind of in. And and it has a little bit of I, the Tarkov vibe, which is you know just another mm -hmm. game influenced by Stalker. To be fair, um, yeah. But yeah, I I feel like I I hadn't heard anything about this game at all until recently, until like the Summer Games Fest buzz. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm curious what like the 1.0 and if it like has a splash, like what people actually think of it. Yeah. Seems like another uh, one of those kinds of games Scott and Tony from the podcast would get into. So I'm. Uh, I, I could also see Quinn getting into it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Anything stalker adjacent, Quinn might get into it. Stalker esque. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm in, I'm intrigued by it. I, this kind of looks cool. Um, kind of might want to check it. I I might check it out. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that is Chernobylite releasing on PS4, Xbox One, and PC on July 28th, and rounding out. Uh, the games this month is a game called Peach Leaf Pirates, releasing this July. Um, no firm date set yet on that, but just saying July. Releasing on PC, you get washed ashore with no memory of how you got there. An eccentric cast of locals welcoming you to their quirky paradise. Divide your time between adventuring and homesteading and discovering there's more to the island than palm trees and parrots in this colorful RPG with point-and-click farm sim elements. Yeah, there's a lot of farming going on in these screenshots, I'll tell you what. Yep. I, I This game screams to me uh, uh, of a Quinn, this game is problematic yeah, I, I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, uh, person washes up, indigenous people welcome them, person does not appear to be person of color. <laughs> I was like thinking like, yep. this is checking all those boxes. Uh, you're building up a homestead and you're interacting with eccentric locals. Uh, you can probably look forward to Quinn's essay on the messy elements of But to be fair, it's Peach also a, far it's a farming game so we could definitely convince him to at least play it and find out for sure. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> We're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get... Uh... Exactly. Quinn's going to be on the ground reporting yep. from, Peach, from Peach Tree, Peach Leaf Pirates. Peach Leaf Pirates. Uh, what, how is it? How is it? Um, is it problematic? We, we will yeah. soon know. We will. And we will let you know. But uh, it, it's cute. I mean, it's another one of those let's have minimalistic sprite graphics. And do a farming sim. Yeah. And farming sim. And it has, like, literally the hot bar from Stardew Valley, like, straight up, one-to-one. -one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it could be cool. It could be cool. I guess there's different, um, like, classes you can put your points into. You can be a formidable voodoo spellcaster, skilled swordsman, or sharpshooter, or an expert homesteader. I feel like Quinn's ears are probably bright red right now. Like, the he's Quinn like, signal. He's like, what's like, going on? Who's talking about me? Something is wrong. <laughs> Something I can feel it in the forest. Something is something has deserved the equilibrium. But uh but yeah, that will do it this month for July. Alex, always good to uh nerd out with you, my friend. Yes. Always a pleasure. I know I can't be here every time, but it's always a goddamn pleasure when I am. Yes, yes it is. Uh but what where can people find you on the internet? What do you have cooking? Feel free to uh plug yourself away, my friend. Um, uh, Alphighter27, everywhere that you're looking, uh, I should be there. Uh, and Rational Passions Podcast, still every other week, uh, mostly. Some, it's usually been like every three weeks right now. Um, but, uh, nothing necessarily cooking except for our, our little RPG show, our, our Dungeons and Dragons things that I keep teasing. But it's getting, like, so much more real. Like, since the last time we talked about it, I've, like, rolled stats on so many characters including player characters, mm -hmm. including your character. I, I can't wait to play my character. I'm I know, so excited I'm like, to play him. As, as everything has come together, like, I'm so... Everyone, I, I feel like, knocked it out of the park. And I'm just so excited to see how, how things play out. Um, Hell yeah. So, I like, I... Plus, knowing how different everyone's personalities is, I feel like it's just gonna be, like, a clusterfuck mm -hmm. in the best way, and I want it so bad. Like... Uh, yeah, I, I've I've planned I've wrote wrote a lot of stuff for like actual sessions, but I have to like plan our like pre-session sessions and get mm -hmm. the nitty gritty of it. But 
uh, people probably won't hear about that for a little while, uh, but still, it's coming and it's it's exciting. Yeah, but very very exciting stuff coming with that. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. And if you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, be sure to tweet at IrrationalPod with the end with the hashtag RPGU with the game you'd like to see. You can also share your favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.